You. How you doing, man? <clears throat> Let's do it. Let's do it. Episode five. Tweet talk, Raphael and Charles. Dang. These episodes fly by, man. It's crazy. Just start racking. Yeah. So you know, we'll be on a hundred. Right. Exactly. Just got to stack them up. Let's keep going. Consistency is key. So, let's take it off. Yesterday was 4th of July, Independence Day. Everybody had their cookouts or whatever. Some of you are back to work. Good. Let's talk about your tweet. You said, um, how are you pro-ownership and anti-American? Explain that. <laughs> Man, I just, I hate that, like, every holiday that pops up, there's always, like, people who want to ruin it for people. It, and they'll say, oh, how, you you celebrating Christmas and you celebrating blah, blah. You know, Jesus' birthday wasn't December 25th. Or, oh, you celebrating Easter and blah, blah, blah. It's a white man's holiday. Mostly it's, white man's holiday and right. stuff like that. Right. It's, it's always around, like, of course, like the 4th of July or Labor Day or all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it it it's contradictory. Um, so I guess in regards to that tweet, it was just interesting because a lot of people who I know who promote like business ownership and investing and owning real estate, which are things that the liberties of America afford you, they are the people who are out there like, oh, well, don't forget on the 4th of July, 19 or 1776, slaves weren't free. Or yeah, don't forget that all all the liberties that they wrote into the constitutions weren't written for you. Well, when they freed the slaves, they also attributed all the liberties and freedoms of America to the slaves. And so like the things that you complain about, just the fact that you even have the ability to complain should be saying shout out to America. The fact that you can own something should be shout out to America. The fact that you can start a business and build wealth for your family, that's what America is about. I always tell people like immigrants and all those people they don't come to America for the government. They don't come to America to get Section 8, to get EBT, to get uh, welfare. They come here to start a business. America is great because you can start a business and you can build wealth for your family. Business is how you close the wealth gap, period. Real estate is cool. Business is how you close the wealth gap. And I'll give you an example why. We, a lot of times we'll talk about like wages. We'll talk about, oh, we need to increase minimum wage. We need to increase, increase this wage. Well, if we're looking at wages as an indicator of closing the wealth gap, which isn't necessarily those two don't correlate because wealth is measured in assets, not in income. You say, for example, you have a business and that business does a thousand, ten thousand in a month, ten thousand a month, but you had to work a hundred hours. You just made a hundred bucks per hour, hundred times a hundred, right? You made a hundred bucks per hour. And so if you're over here trying to get a 15 wage gap, and you start a business, you created an unlimited wage. I always tell people like business is great because of the unlimited wage. Business is how you close the wealth gap. So it was just, it was contradictory to me because I was like, hold up. You just posted all this stuff about how many properties you own, how many properties you're going to own, but you don't appreciate the goodness that is in America. I just want people to appreciate the goodness that we have 
and the opportunities that are in the moment, as opposed to always talking about what was done 400 years ago or 200 years ago, or even 20 years ago, especially stuff that didn't even happen to you. It's people who just want to get mad because it, it prevents them from having to do something in the moment. I saw a quote today that said that um, people who either live in the future or live in the past, the benefit is that they don't have to do anything in the present. And people don't want to have to do actual work. They're okay with somebody else doing the work for them. They're okay with somebody else giving them the benefit. But the problem with that is that the, the benefits accrue to the person who does the work. So you might think that you're getting like, you, you might think that you're getting a, a come up if you get reparations or you get free stuff or somebody gives you free groceries. But the people who get free groceries are some of the most lazy, unambitious, unproductive, plague to their community. The people who get all this free stuff, they don't do anything to improve their community. But the people who are out there getting it, they improve their community. So what I'm saying is that the work that you do to improve your community actually yields the, the results of that business or the wealth or the skills and abilities and the habits that get passed down to your kids. It's like home ownership. We were talking about like, everybody talks about home ownership and, oh, well, it's just like renting from the bank for 15 years. And, oh, well, the appreciation, blah, 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 might not appreciate her. Oh, if the roof, fix, the roof breaks, you got to break the roof. You got to fix the roof. But the crazy part about being an owner is when you're an owner, it stretches you. And so there's things that we have to do because we consciously know that we're going to have to fix a roof. So we already got roof money stashed. But the renter doesn't because the renter's like, nah, the tenant got, the landlord got it. So we became the person with the wealth because we were forced to, and they became the person still living paycheck to paycheck because they're allowed to. They don't realize we're getting wealthier at their expense. They think they're getting ahead. So I, I, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I just feel like it's contradictory. And I want more people to appreciate the goodness of America than always talking about the bad. An example is, it's like, imagine if you were raped 20 years ago and every morning you woke up, you're like, man, I remember when I was raped, how bad they were when they raped me. Man, I'm so mad. Wouldn't it be better to do everything you could in the moment to live a more fulfilling life and doing the things that you can do so that you can have a good family? Like, you can't create a good family if you're only over there talking about some bad experience that somebody did to you. But what's even worse is we're not even talking about a rape that happened to us. We're talking about a rape that happened to people who are two, three years far removed. People, we probably don't even know their names. We're like, well, they got raped. So that means I can't do nothing in the moment. Like, shut up and do something. Because the people who have gotten over it and have done it, who win. African-Americans in America who don't dwell on that stupid stuff, who are just out there getting it, they're winning. And so I always tell people, like, I'm just here to close the gap. A lot of them live. A lot of them never seen the life that I was raised in. And so I'm over here like, no, bro, if you do these things, you can have the life that I was raised in and the life that I've created for myself. But no, they'd rather argue with me. So I'm at a point now where it's like, I don't even got to argue for you. I got to just execute on my goals and let you just think what you think. I hear you. And plus, people got people don't seem to realize how hard it is to even start a business in some in some countries. Right, it's not like what it is in America. Yeah, in America, you you in business as soon as you say in business. You don't have you don't have to get a license. You don't have to start an LLC. You don't have to print business cards. You don't have to do anything except say, "I'm in business," and you're you're mm -hmm. instantly in business. And that's how it works. And you also said being broke is so un-American. 
<laughs> That's a Nipsey Hussle quote. And I just feel like at this point in America, we are in an era where the goal is to get rich. And I feel like that's what happens to almost every Republican leader is if you engage in the right stuff, buying homes, investing, those kind of things, you get rich. So I don't really have too much to expand on that tweet. I would just say this is Nipsey Hussle and it kind of resonated with me. And it's, it's there to inspire people. It's like we don't live in a third world country. We don't live in in huts. We don't live in an area where there's no capital, where there's nothing that we can do. And even if we did live in those states or those countries, usually the people in those countries are the most ambitious and, and, and entrepreneurial. I was watching something and everybody in order to eat, they had to have a product to bring to market. And so they would go to the market, they would set up these like malls or whatever, and everybody would just have their own little store. So at least even in their poverty, they're still entrepreneurs and business owners. We just happen in America because there's so much of an abundance of wealth here that you can accumulate wealth because there's more people, there's more resources, there, more money to be made. All right. So uh, a couple times before you saying, you said, if you have a degree and you don't have a business, I'll slap you or something like that. Or start a <laughs> consultant. And then you, and then uh, I think yesterday or today you said, don't start a business, sell your degree. I, I kind of took that to me like if you, if you want to look at it, uh, you don't know to start a business, then look at it differently and say sell your degree. But you, you can expand on that yourself. Right. Whatever degree that you have makes you a specialist in that area. And because you have that specialist, people will pay you. People don't come to me because they like me. They come to me because I know things that they don't know and they don't have the time to sit down for four years and learn it. So it just makes sense to pay me to learn it through me. And anybody who has a degree can do that. The quote really was taken from this book that I read called Rich 20 something, where he calls it freelancing. So effectively what he says is anything that you're doing on your job is something that the market is willing to pay for. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a job. But the other side of that is also true, is that you wouldn't have a job if, you're, if, you're doc, if your boss wasn't making a profit off of you being an employee. So the market value, the difference between the market value of your service and your wage is the profit of the company. I think that it most makes sense if you look at like accounting firms and law firms and, and even doctors, like doctors are high paid because their profession is high cost. Mm -hmm. It's a very expensive. I've looked at, it costs like $90,000 to get a back surgery. So if, if you're charging a client $90,000, a patient $90,000 to get a back surgery, you can pay the doctor 50 grand to do it. And so the same thing is true if you're like a lawyer, as a lawyer, you're expected to bill out. Like as a lawyer, your billable rate might be 400 bucks an hour, but your job's only gonna pay you maybe 75 of that. Mm -hmm. A better example is they'll pay you 100 bucks per hour. They bill you out at 300 bucks per hour. And so 100 of that goes to you. 100 goes to the overhead of running the firm. 
paying the bills. The other third of that goes to as profit to the partners. And so I'm telling people to skip the middleman and take your skills, your abilities, and take them right to the market. You are more valuable than you think you are. Your job has convinced you that you are not. It's kind of like um, the the Daniel Les, I think her name is Daniel Les, whatever that Dana Curl Bible girl. Um, Dina, I don't know her name is her and Prince oh, Chanel. Uh, <laughs> Dana Chanel. Yeah, then. Um, so she put out this thing and she said that your job knows how much you're worth. They just convince you that you're worth less than they know that you're worth. And so I'm telling people, if you work 40 hours, this is how I do it. I work 40 hours and I work for myself 40 hours. And so when I work for myself, the income is what the market will pay me. I can charge somebody 200 bucks to do something that takes me 15 minutes because it doesn't take me 15 minutes. It took me all the years of learning how to, how to do these things. And so I would never get paid 200 bucks for 15 minutes, which is effectively 800 bucks an hour for my job. And so I have a consulting business that's just one stream of revenue and it kicks in a thousand dollars a month or a week. The consulting business does a thousand dollars a week and I still have a day job and I still have investments and I still have other businesses because the podcast makes money. And all those things are tied to my degree. Everything that I do is investment and real estate related. My undergrad degree is in finance. So what I did, and this is why it's so important to stay in your lane. When you stay in your lane, you can do a blog, you can do this podcast, you can do the other podcast, you can go on other people's podcasts, you can have an investment club for stock, for real estate, you can have an Instagram that's all related to finance and business. All my posts are related to finance and business. And so what I'm telling you is like, if you have a degree in education and you don't have a tutoring company, you suck. <laughs> and I tell you that because it's not even about just getting rich, man. Your community needs your knowledge. Your community needs you to start that school. So instead of us complaining about what they aren't willing to teach us, why aren't we willing to teach us? Instead of us complaining, like, that's what a lot of us have done. We went through an era where they're saying, oh, Black people don't have enough financial education. So you know what we did? We began to teach financial education to the community. And I think that's what is so crazy to me is, like, I reaped the benefits because I was willing to put in the work to be the solution, not just point at the problem. And if I can get more people to understand that it's lucrative and actually providing the solutions, it's quid pro quo, meaning the community benefits and you benefit. But we want to give the outsiders the ability to provide the solutions because we think they're the only people who can do it. And guess what happens? The wealth gap increases because you're giving them all the wealth and they're just trickling you down the little stuff. So they win in lockstep with your, with your win. You get, it's like you take one step forward, they take 10 steps forward. That's what happens when we give them the ability to solve our problems. Right. It's kind of like you said before, um, you're talking about uh, black people have a lot of problems, which which means we have a lot of opportunity because solving our own problems is where the wealth is going to be. Absolutely. But, um, Absolutely. People, people who run schools get paid. I'm not telling you to run a school and not mm -hmm. get money. You're going to run a school and you're going to get paid. Let's say, for example, you do a weekend tutoring session and you charge every kid 10 bucks to come. 10 bucks and you have maybe 20 kids in there, maybe 15 kids. 
That's 150 bucks on a Saturday. But that's just the beginning of it. You got to think about, well, how big can we get this? How much can we charge this? Can we get grant money? Can we get whatever money? Can we get school money? Can we do this in the school and get school funding? There's a girl who she does just that. Her name is Ashley Fox, and she gets paid great money to go teach financial education to middle schoolers and elementary students. You can do it if you want to teach in STEM or if you want to uh, tutor in math and science and all these different fields. But the thing is, is it requires energy. We got to be willing to put forth that energy to put our people on because other communities have, have not only done it, they're doing it. It's just, we're over here like, well, it has to be perfect. I got to make sure I got my plan right. I got to make sure my LLC is right. Like, bro, like, Raphael told you to just start it. He said, just start it and get, get, get started, get fancy later. So you grow that to the point where now you might be charging them 25 bucks a weekend or you might be charging them whatever, but then you put it online. You can go to different schools. It's unlimited. But at that point, you're becoming the master. You're saying, hey, I want you to learn the black history that's going to serve you, not the black history that serves them. Because the black history that we learn is just like, oh, you're the first black person to do something they already been doing. That's not black history. That's not empowering. That's not inspiring. Nobody gets inspired to be second place. And it's not even second place, but you're like behind a whole bunch of them. You're probably like 50th place. Huh. <laughs> it's like Obama, he's the first black president, but he like first black president means you're the 52nd or whatever he was. I don't even know whatever 44. he was. 43 or um, you're the Right. So the, the first black president means you're the 44th in line. So you came in 44th place. There is a black people in America where George Washington was president. And that's just an example of the ambition of others. So instead of trying to become the first ever and innovate, which is where all the wealth lies, we're over here with like, well, I got the black real estate platform. Like, why don't you create something that's before that? Why don't you do something that's better than that? And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Like, it's great and it grows and people love it because they're just like, oh man, this is the black Netflix. This is the black Uber. It's like, why don't you take it a step further and just out innovate them? But what happens when you try to do stuff like that, people tell you that you can't do it because it's never been done because people don't believe what hasn't been done. So I just think that there's so much opportunity. I know there's opportunity to become a solution because I've done it. I've done it. People who go through me to get their LLC, one thing you don't know is if you were to go through like a firm or some bigger established company, they're going to charge you like a thousand to 600 bucks. Unless you go through like some automated system, like, oh, I'm just going to type my information. They're going to uh, populate an LLC for me, which I don't recommend people do. I think people should, it's better to work with a consultant. And I'm at the point now where it's like, I'm bringing my mom into my business because she's the tech professional where if you come into me, you're not just getting the LLC side of it, you're also getting the tax side of it because they go hand in hand. So, and my mom is the same way. I tell her, I was like, yeah, you're a CPA, they pay you good money, but your community needs what you know. Your community needs that tax knowledge. So if you can give it, and not just like some old, like the, the lady on the corner who does taxes, like no strategic tech knowledge. My mom's getting a, um, a master's in tax right now and she already has a CPA license. She's been doing tax for like 15, 20 years, but she does strategic tax, business tax, not just like, give me your W-2 so I can give you some credits and you can get a refund. No, she's over here dealing with partnerships and REITs and stuff of that level. So strategy. the community needs your knowledge and you can actually sell it to them for a profit while also helping them. They can be quick pro quo. Yeah, you said cash flow liberates you and the business makes you wealthy. You also <laughs> said, don't be a little B, start a little business. <laughs> You know what's so funny is there's another tweet that I said before that 
and it, and it puts it in context, but I forgot what it was. I remember. It was, I, it was about, I was going to bring that up. The, the one about don't be a little bee, start a little business. You were talking about, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, you were talking about how uh, basically the way some black women are, are killing it right now, some, oh, some yeah. black men right now, the only way they're going to catch up financially with them is to start their own business. Right. Income-wise. So I, I feel like people might not know this, but they talk a lot about male privilege and they talk about a lot like those kind of privileges, but a lot of those privileges don't attribute to African-American men. Right. African-American women tend to get lofted into a lot of great things whereas men are left to kind of think for themselves. And so that's why a lot of black women have better jobs. They're higher educated. They have more money. They're buying more homes. It's because people are pouring into women. That's what they do. They don't pour into men. They expect men to go out there and get it for themselves. And what they don't realize is that men are getting left behind. And that's why women don't have a lot of, a lot of husband potential. They just don't exist. Um, whether they want to agree with it or not. They just, there aren't a lot of qualified black men out there to match the amount of qualified black women. There might be some black men out there who might be out of jail or might be doing whatever, but there's not a lot of black men who are tracking alongside their black women counterparts. And that's why in college we were able to get so many women because they just outnumbered us substantially. There weren't a lot of me's and there's a lot of them. So anyway, <laughs> um, that said, knowing that you're not going to get a fair shake and this is something that uh, Dr. Boyce Walker talked about a lot, is you got to start a business. You got to, you're not going to get the same opportunities in, 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 in job search as she is. You're not going to get the same opportunities um, just mostly just in jobs and promotions. If you can't even get in the door because you have something on your record or because you didn't go to the right school or your grades aren't high enough or whatever, like the way you close that gap, the way you close any gap is with business. You don't have to, you don't, it doesn't even have to be a full-time business. For the longest time, people spread around misinformation, especially people who like just know a little bit of stuff. There's like, and I think that's what's so dope about me is I've overlearned a lot of stuff. I have more than enough degrees. I've read more than enough books. I listen to more than enough podcasts. I listen to more than enough YouTube videos. So I'll never forget one of my frat brothers. He told me I couldn't run a business and work a job. And so I existed for the longest time thinking it had to be either or, complete misinformation, mm -hmm. complete misinformation. And so these men, you might have to work that job and run a business on the side. And the beauty is that then you get, it might seem like a grind in the beginning. And I had this revelation today. I was like, it seemed like a grind because you're going to have to invest some time into getting the ball rolling. And the time that you're investing and in getting the ball rolling, it's going to be frustrating. You're not going to be making any money. But after that year, you never have to live that year again. It's kind of like pledging. It's like once you pledge, you never have to pledge again. So you've got to invest one year, give a bunch of value, do all this stuff, and then you can get to the time where you can charge and you can stand on your price. A lot of people do it backwards. A lot of people go to market and they're like, I got this thing. Who wants to buy it? And that's why CJ Johnson is doing so well. He sells his watches affordably. It's 100 bucks. And then a lot of times they're discounted. So you get access to a brand. And so I know he doesn't want to sell $100 watches forever. He would like to sell $5,000 watches, $10,000 watches, but you got to penetrate the market somehow. 
I penetrated, I penetrate the market by podcast, by blogs, by social media, by the investment club. You have to penetrate the market. And then once you penetrate the market, then you can name your price and then you can slowly, slowly elevate your price. So for us, even with haircuts, I'm like, we need to be intelligent and thoughtful about this. We might not be able to put out there and have $25 haircuts. We might need to be the $10 haircut guy and just get too many clients and just be hustling and doing $20, 20, 20 minute haircuts, not 30 minute haircuts. So we can do three in an hour. So we make it up. We might need to do that because you got to penetrate the market. You got to get an audience. You got to get clientele. And this is a business strategy. There's a way to do business and there's a way to strategically do business. So in everything that we do, we got to be strategic about it. We also got to work together. We also got to understand and appreciate it. Like, we can't be naive about it. And I feel like that's the problem is people love to make this statement. I saw it on my Twitter the other day. Somebody was like, black women are the most unloved, uncared for, on this, on that. And I was like, shut up. I'm tired of seeing that tweet because it's a lie. It is a lie. I put out a tweet. I was like, black women, for the most part, up and down, get love. On the lowest of the low, all the way to the top of the top. If they're doing very well for themselves, kudos to them. Uh, just today, I was working on a client's file. She's a nurse. She makes $46 an hour. She's doing great. But then you also talk to the, to the women who aren't working at all. And this lady, she gets paid 700 bucks a week just to take care of her kids. And she gets EBT, so she gets free groceries. Mm -hmm. And she gets, um, uh, I think she gets free rent, Section 8, very, very cheap rent. And so I was thinking, I was like, it's very interesting. Like, we continue to promote this narrative, but it's a lie. And I think that we have to be honest about men's situation because a lot of times, a lot of these women are looking at men who are like, when they're saying like, well, you got to provide, you got to do this, otherwise there ain't nothing because they're being dishonest about their situation. A lot of these men aren't giving nothing. My sister, she's never bought a car herself. The first car was given to her. The second car, I co-signed. The third car, I gave her the down payment on. She's never bought a car on her own, ever. And she's 30 years old. But that same brother out there, he has never gotten help getting a car. And that's just a small example of how it exists. I've actually lived through it. I'll never, I'll never forget. My first car was a bucket. It was a Honda Civic hatchback. Mm -hmm. And then when my sister, she got her license. My mom was like, I, I got to buy her a new car. I can't have my daughter out here riding and just whatever. She needed, she needed a nice car. And so I got the bucket and she got the nice car. But she didn't do anything to get that. And that's just a small example of what happens across the board. And so I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying we got to acknowledge it and we got to adapt. So if you can acknowledge that you, get, you don't get a fair shake, you just got to hustle, brother. You got to work weekends. You got to work nights. You got to run a business. Otherwise, you're going to be continue to look at as unfit. Because even if you have the same credentials as her, you might get paid the same or less. So you need to figure out a way to close that gap and overcompensate. In the beginning, your business is going to maybe just double your salary. Then you look up and your business makes your salary look like the side hustle. And that's the goal. Yeah. Got to do it. Um, let's take a quick break. You were talking about penetrating the market and, you know, starting with maybe low prices and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. let me switch gears for a quick second and ask you about the investment club. Now, yeah. I know it's been changed to where now it's a, it's a pay-for-play type of thing. Mm -hmm. The small, what is it, five, $5 a month to be a part of the club? 
Right. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay. Are the um are the minimums still the same? Um yeah, nothing's changed about that. It's just oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a maintenance fee. Right. Exactly. I mean, the thing is is people people want their account to be serviced. They want our attention. They want checks and they want checks, they want questions and answers, they want questions and answers, they want documents when they want documents. And that's all fine and dandy, but it takes time. And time is money. Therefore, if you want us to take our time to service your account, you gotta pay in some form. It's just it's 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 gotten to the point and to the size of it that it can't be run for free. And quite honestly, expecting it to be run for free is disrespectful because you don't go anywhere else and get stuff for free, but you want to come to Thai Capital and get stuff for free. So it was cool to run for free in the initial phase and, and growing it and scaling it. And now it's just to the point that we got expenses, we have accounting expenses, we have taxes we have to take care of. Um, and the goal has always been to grow it. So the goal is to run it like a business. But one thing that I'll tell people is when you pay for something, you get more value. So do you want the do you want the free club or do you want the club that you invest in? I think people really want that Mercedes Benz club. They don't they don't want the Honda Civic club like they think they do. They don't want the little <laughs> hand me down car. They want the club where you add value. And the thing about me is I'm gonna always add value. I'm always gonna going to um, make sure that you get more value than what you pay for me. Like that's always my goal. Like with my with my podcast commercials, I always make sure that like what I started to do now is I'm promoting it on my on my on my stream. So on my Instagram stories, I'm like, hey, these are our sponsors. I want you to know who our sponsors are. Um, on posts, I'm like, these are our sponsors. So I I have a vested interest in making sure they get subscribers, make sure they get their followers up, make sure they get a return on their investment. And an example is I charge somebody um, only 150 bucks. Uh, uh, per show or per month with the understanding that we have an affiliate relationship. So the products that I sell for them, I get 30% of the revenue. And so this particular person paid 150 bucks for one month and they sold a product worth a thousand or worth $3,000. Mm-hmm. So they turned $150 into $3,000 you're not going to get an ROI like that in the stock market. And then of course I get paid a 30% of that, but, and that's why I charge affiliates less than I charge, charge people who don't have affiliate code. But I found through podcasting affiliate. And I don't, I don't want to tell people this, but podcasting, you want to get paid as an affiliate. You want to get paid commission. Successful people get paid on results, not time. I don't want you just to pay me little 150, 250 bucks. I want a percentage of the upside. I make all my money on the podcast through affiliates. Um, and, but the thing is, is I didn't start out that way. If you don't have a buzz, if you don't have a following, you can't get podcast commercials. And so what I did is I allowed people to advertise my podcast for free as fillers. And so I, I ran, and I, and I do that for my, for, um, an example of a, uh, a concept that I was talking about earlier is 24-7 watches. That's an LLC client. I just put her on the podcast just because I wanted to add value to her business because she added value to me. I didn't even charge her and I didn't get a commission. I just wanted to promote her business. But it's so many, when you do business with your own people, you get wins in different ways. So for me to get podcast commercials, 
I had to put free podcast commercials on there. Those free commercials turned into paid commercials. Um, and then another principle is just adding value to my clients. I wanted to see her get, and I always, you know, whenever she posts something, I always repost it. Like people would think that that's my company. It's really not. Um, I just, I have a vested interest in those who do business with me. So for me, always try to add value. Always try to give you more value than what you get. Right. So, and for those listening who are not familiar with the Todd Capital Investment Club, um, it is found that you can find it at www.launchpass.com slash P slash TC Investment Club. It's a low, low fee of $5 a month, and it's low minimums of $25 a month and up to invest. In stocks, I am also a member. Uh, Charles is the director and founder. Uh, come join us. Yeah, Just to let you guys know. Do some great stuff. We, I, I feel like I always tell people, is if you want to invest, I think everybody should be in an investment club of some form. Everybody. Whether it's a real estate investment club, whether it's a VC investment club, whether it's a, a real estate or a stock market investment club, you need to be working together because it's not just the money. It's not just the money. Don't even focus on the money. Focus on the knowledge and the experience and the conversation and the idea generation and the mastermind effect. That is the value of the investment club. And that's why we're worth a lot more than what we charge because we're literally educating people and those people then go out there and they do their own stuff. They then go out there and they start their own club, or they didn't then go out there and they grow their own portfolio by their own rental properties. We just give people the confidence to do it. And so I always tell people, like, it's, 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 I don't even know why people don't do more of it. I just, maybe we just don't know. But the crazy part about it is it's work. And like Andre Hatchett, like, we've been doing this for over two years and had very few problems. Mm-hmm. Full transparency, full disclosure. We've done 47% ROI in our first year and a half. Um, right now we're flat. We're flat because Jamal doesn't want to listen to me. People, you know what's so funny? Is people think that just because I do stuff that it's easy. They're like, oh, Charles made 47%. Even people in the stock market, like I made 47% in the investment club. I made like a thousand percent of my own personal account. I doubled, triple, quadrupled that account. I was going nuts. And I'm about to get back to doing that because one of the hacks that I have, and I'm kind of getting my momentum because we're at the middle of the year, but it's interesting that when you start a year, you got to kind of build up your momentum. And right now I'm getting my stride. And right now the stocks and the companies are getting their stride too, because they had to start from zero again too. So now we're clicking. And so now my stocks are going to start hitting better because I'm pouring all my business income into my stocks. And I, I did like a thousand, I did, it was nuts, but the point is that Jamal needs to listen to me because it's not a bad thing to listen to people and take guidance, especially from people who have done your job before you. Um, right now we're flat. And I told him, I was like, we need to address these negative positions because if you have 50% of your positions doing well, and you have another 50% doing poorly, you need to figure out how to get the other 50% doing well. Otherwise you're flat you're making no money. What sense does it make to have a lot of great performers and then have companies that are just dragging it down and just wait? The goal of investing is to make money, not look like you're making money. The goal of wealth building is to have wealth, not look like you have wealth. 
I don't want to walk around with a Gucci belt that I had to grind and scrape for. I don't want to be on a vacation that I had to grind and scrape for that I'm carrying around debt for. Like, that's not the goal. That's the easy version of the goal. It's easy to say we got this investment club, but are you making money? Are you like when I was doing that job, I was studying. I listened to every Kramer podcast. I read about three or four books. I was grinding. I wasn't just setting it and forgetting it. 47% is not a normal ROI. And don't let anybody tell you that it is. Okay. Into, you said uh, always throw cash at assets. Always. always. All cash should be turned into assets. Every single dime should be turned into assets. Because the assets are going to make you money. The crazy part about investing, man, is people think that it's spending money. People think that the money is gone. I mm -hmm. save more money by investing that money than by saving it per se. Investing is how you trick yourself into saving. So if you put money and you lock it up and now it's growing, whether it's in a property, whether it's in stocks, whether it's in a company, like that's how you trick yourself into saving. We have a lot of people who don't have any savings because they're not investing. And so I think the real basis of this tweet was that you, you had the Grant Cardone rant he was talking about like Floyd Mayweather taking all his money and buying Gucci with it. And it was so crazy because it's something I've always said. I've always said, if you are a rapper, a ball player, you need to annuitize your income. You need to turn that money into cash flow. And so how do you do that? If you have a large chunk of money, let's say you have a hundred million dollars and you spend $2 million a year, you can only really live for five, 50 years. But isn't the purpose of all this to have generational money? That right. Not just to change their lives for the next 50 years, especially if you come into that much money. And so I tell people, and this is something I do, it's, it's a principle it's called cash asset cash. We don't spend the principal. We spend what comes from the principal. We don't spend the check they pay us, whether it comes in the form of your working income, whether it comes in the form of you being a professional athlete or a rapper, any money that gets generated by your time needs to be turned into money that gets generated passively because that's how you ensure wealth. And a lot of us do this out of fear. I do this because I know how fickle jobs can be. I know jobs will cut you tomorrow, but you still got to live the day after tomorrow. So if you don't have any cash flow, how are you going to function? This, this last week, I have a coworker who he's a little bit younger than me. And like what he was doing is he was trying to work overtime to make extra money, but they don't want you to work overtime. They're like, bro, like work your 40 and go home. And he was still sneaking in overtime. And so when they gave him his check, they didn't want to give him the overtime. He was pissed. He's like, I worked these hours. I should be paid these hours. I was like, bro, you're really over here getting mad about $25 or 250 bucks. Like what's wrong with you, man? I was like, I made that a few seconds ago. Somebody bought an LLC. I was just chilling. I got an email. <laughs> I got an email and somebody just paid that. You over here working two weeks to get that. I was like, bro, I've been where you were and I promised myself I'd never be there again. I build businesses. I invest in real estate out of fear because I've had jobs taken away from me. And I've been home, not homeless per se, but I've had the threat of being homeless, knowing that if you don't find a job in the next 30 days, you will get evicted. And somehow I found a way, but I never wanted to feel that again. And so that's why I do so much. I lose track of how many sources of income that I have but they're real sources. And the crazy part about it is those sources grow. So I remember when I first started the LLC company, 
I just wanted to get, I think I wanted to get like one or two a month. I was like, if I can just get two clients a month, I'll be cool. I was charging two fifty uh, per LLC. I was like, that's extra five hundred bucks a month. That's cool. And then it got to the point where I was bringing in like one or two a week. And now it's like one or two a day. And I was like, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. The streams grow. The rental properties. At first we had one house. Now we got six, seven homes. And we're about to have another five or six. The streams grow. So I was only making rental property off of, rental income off of one property back in the day. And now we got six, seven of them. And what's going to happen another year from that? And so it's like the streams grow. The podcast. At one point in time, I only had one sponsor. Now I got three. And they're all going to be affiliate sponsors soon, which means I'm going to be making about a thousand bucks per week per sponsor. So the streams grow. And what, who even knows is going to happen as we continue to grow this? So I don't even know what the question was anymore. You're talking about always throw cash at assets. Right. And so in doing all this, I always throw my money at assets. But I'm just telling you, it's such a, a basic principle, but it's life changing. It's life changing. It's wealth building. Imagine if Floyd Mayweather owned a bunch of rental properties. Imagine what he could do for the whole community while still preserving his wealth. And he turns $100 million into a million dollars a month in cash flow. So you could take that $100 million, you could spend $1 to $2 million a year, or you could turn it into cash flow. That's what Grant Cardone did. And that's what was just so dope hearing him say it because it's something I've said for so long. I'm like, you have all this money, turn it into cash flow. Stop spinning the principal. Stop eating the tree. Right. Stop eating the tree. Or not, stop eating the seeds, for, for, for that matter. Stop eating the seeds and go plant them mm -hmm. things. Because the thing is, is if you're generating a million dollars a month, you're generating about a hundred, like 900000 more than you really need. And so then that becomes money that you invest. And it just multiplies. Wealth multiplies if you do it right. But we're not even playing that game. We're just playing the I got a lot of money. I got to go spend it money. There's dudes out there who get a paycheck, a fat paycheck, and they go buy a bit and like, you're not rich. You're not rich. You could be if you took that 10 million and you put it into some assets, but they don't even do that. They're like, I got 10 million. I'm gonna go spend five million mm -hmm. on this. So then turn it into so, me, so along that lines. Even if it's just dividends, man. If you have a little chunk of cash and you got a choice between buying a, buying a car or an asset. You buy the you buy the asset, even if it's a. What you do, assets buy liabilities. You can buy a car, but that car better come from an asset. That's that's a rich dad poor dad principle. You can get a car, but do not use that cash to buy the car. Go and buy you a little four unit, and use a thousand dollars in cash flow that you get from that four unit to buy that car. It's a shift in mindset. I was um, I was thinking about this today because I made a lot of money in the stock market last year, um, maybe like 20 grand in profit. And I was thinking, I was like, that's my undergrad student loans. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> and so I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what's interesting about like the wealthy is the wealthy don't think in terms of I need to go work to make this money. The wealthy thinks in terms of what do I need to buy and sell to get this money? What do I need to buy in cash flow to get this money? It's a mindset shift. They're not, Donald Trump didn't tell his dad, his son to go out there and get a job. He was like, go find a deal. Go find a property. Go find an opportunity. Go find a business. And so for me, I'm looking at it like, that's what I need to do. Like, 
you're going to pay, like we always say, you're going to pay off your student loans in your mind at your time. Your mind looks like studying, finding a good stock trade, making that trade, using that money to pay off your debt. You're not going and clock in and say, oh, I got to work my overtime. I got to try to get these hours. Like, no, how can you intelligently facilitate something that's going to allow you to live the life that you want? Go build that and then live the life you want. I was kind of asking that question for me, actually, but... <laughs> Which money? So the going back to the guy you're talking about at work, did he when you told him, um, bro, I just made that off an email. Um, did he did he ask you like for advice? Did he ask you to put him on game or like, anything? He he did. And one of the most frustrating things about life is there's a lot of people who think they are equal, man, and they're not your equal. And I tell people, like, if I'm giving you advice, it's not a conversation. It's a consultation. Therefore, I don't need the back and forth. I don't need your opinion. I'm just going to tell you what's real. You can take it and run with it or you cannot. That's just my opinion. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I tried to say something, but he didn't want to hear it. He wanted that 250 bucks. He probably already spent it in his mind. He probably already spent that money. But, I mean, if all I had was a job, I might be upset about 250 bucks, but thankfully I have other sources of income that provide that. And thankfully I've brought, I've built up a brand by giving that allows me to command that. Mm -hmm. So let me another, ask you another question about, let's say the, um, okay, you started a new partnership with HBCU Wall Street. That's that's new, right? Uh, so, okay, somebody, if somebody wants to, to join the real estate uh, investment side of Todd Capital, that is only the partnership with uh, HBCU Wall Street? Um, not necessarily. And I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out. And I would like to say that we still have the old classic tight acquisition model where we're investing in Detroit. There's a lot of opportunity there. If you can get an opportunity right now, they're trying to jack up all the prices. They're trying to take advantage of the people that the interest in that city. So it's tough to find something like what we had been buying in the past. But um, the HBCU Wall Street tight capital mission is different in that that organization is strictly investing in like HBCU communities. So like the Atlanta Unified or Atlanta University Center or in the Virginia area, or not Virginia, but North Carolina area, or I'm um, in Baltimore, certain parts of Baltimore. So I think that it's possible to run those exclusively. So that we invest in Detroit, we invest in Detroit, and then we invest near, near HBCUs, and we invest near HBCUs. I think that's how I want to do it because there's interest in both. Hold up, someone's breaking up. Go ahead. I said because there's, there's interest in both. I think people want to participate in the acquisitions model and people who want to participate in the HBCU. Uh -huh. um, so, and the crazy part about that too is that the Todd acquisitions thing is flowing so strong too. At a point in time, it was tough for us to like bring in the money to buy a deal. Now <laughs> we got money. People are like, hey, what's the next deal? What are we doing? What are we buying next? What are we doing next? So I, I just say that to say that like, People need to have a more longer term term focus on their business. And it's very easy to have a long-term 
vision of your business when you're operating in your lane. Like for me, I would be doing Thai Capital, whether I was doing Thai Capital or I wasn't doing Thai Capital. I'll be doing Thai Capital activities, meaning. So I'm going to be investing. I'm going to be studying. I'm going to be reading and researching and watching investor-oriented stuff, whether Thai Capital exists or not. And so that gives me the ability to be patient and just wait. I'm not doing it because somebody said I can make money doing it. And that's what a lot of people do when they're chasing like trucking money. They're doing it because they said you can make money, not because they genuinely have an interest in that, that market. And for me, real estate is finance. And so I just have an interest in that aspect of it. Not even so much the construction as just the numbers and the spreadsheets and all that stuff. Like that's what I do. So I would say that you can join individuals. You can join the HBC Wall Street community. You can also join the Todd Acquisitions community or the Todd Capital Investment Club community, depending on your interest. Okay, so the Todd Acquisitions real estate side, is has that started with a, um, well, a monthly fee? Yep, well, it, there's actually, there's a monthly fee and there's also an annual fee. Mm -hmm. um, it's always been that way. Okay. It's just not, it's not through, uh, through a launch pads type thing, but we will have to do that. Okay. So it's still possible to, to join the tight acquisition side. Correct. All right. So just real quick before we move off of that, um, what are the minimums on, on both of those? The, uh... So I don't want people to focus on minimums, man, because I don't like minimums. I don't, you are not going to achieve anything in life if you only look for the minimum. Mm -hmm. So that's my first point on that. Um, and the second is I don't have minimums because I don't believe in minimums. I have people who have, who have invested 50 bucks on the real estate um, side and some homes on the real estate side. But that person just happened to know me, know me. Okay. He was a frat brother. Uh, okay. Um, but it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't even like that question. Okay. Because it, 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 it reeks, it reeks of the, the, of having the, the wrong mindset when you're looking to see what you can get for nothing. Why don't we start seeing what we can get if we invest everything? Why don't we start seeing what our relationships would look like if we invested everything, if we went all in on our marriage, if we gave everything to our marriage as opposed to, well, what's the least I can do? What's the least I can put into the 401k? What's the least I can put into this stock? People ask me that all the time. When they're, they're looking for stocks, they're like, well, what's the cheapest stock? Like, don't focus on the cheapness of the stock. Focus on the quality of the company. Is it a great company? If it's a great company, it makes sense no matter what price it is. So I don't, I don't believe in minimums. I just want people to get involved if they want to get involved. At one point in time, and it kind of still is this way, you don't even got to invest. You can be a part of the community to have a conversation without even investing. I just want you to be involved because I know once they get involved, they're going to want to invest. They're going to want to participate in what we have going on. But it's a mindset shift. So much of what we're doing requires a mindset shift. Just like when we're talking about buying assets before luxury. Mm -hmm. Like if we can just shift our mindset, if you change your mind, you change your life. If you can recondition your thinking, then you can recondition your the results you're getting out of your life. And that's kind of what I want people to focus on. Okay. Okay. I was kind of, kind of asking because I think people want to know how much they need to have before they come to the club. That's right. That's kind mm. of what I was, you know, I mean. Come as you are. Whatever you have. Come as you come are. Come as you are. Okay. So there are no middle. I hear you. There are no minimum. You heard it, folks. Come as you are. Okay. Well, 
and like you were just saying, uh, you also said that was a nice segue into. You also said on Twitter, bet big and wait. Mm. Bet big and wait. You say put it all in. It's kind of like you said. The focus of that. Uh huh. The focus of that was the waiting part. I want people to focus on the waiting. And the reason why I saw that is because I purchased a stock called Twilio, T-W-L-O. And if you look at the chart, the stock is bound to go back to where it was. So I know I can make 10% if I just wait on that 10%. The 10% might come in the next three months, might come in the next week, might come in the next six months. But I know because the chart's giving it to me that it's going to get there. The same thing could be said about Detroit. If you look at where Detroit fell from versus where it was, you know it's going to get back there. So you got to put it all in and just have faith and patience that it's going to get there. Warren Buffett is the same exact way. You, we're value investors, so I'm always looking for a bargain. I'm not looking at market. I'm not looking at um, what things are selling for in the moment. I'm looking for it being sort of a discount with the knowledge that it's going to go back. So if you have a great company that gets bad press, I know it's going to become, it's going to, eventually people are going to forget about that bad press. But when they forget about the bad press, the company is still a great company. So the stock price is going to go back. So I, I just use that, that strategy in pretty much anything. It's a patience game. It's not so much uh, a timing game. It's a patience game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big and wait. So, this one thing, uh, it's sad how many of your leaders don't believe in Black people providing Black solutions. I think the most interesting thing about the African-American community is how little we believe in ourselves. Um, and so you'll have people out here who think that like the government is the only thing that can save us or who think that like white people are the only people who can be managers or leaders. And what's sad is that in doing so, oftentimes what they do So I think the basis of that was the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Um, when the Tulsa Real Estate Fund set out to launch, there was just so much like hate and backslash and criticism and people were just like bad mouthing it. And they had so much to say. And these are like smart, educated, like leaders who just didn't feel like Tulsa could do it or it didn't feel like um we could do something. And I think that it it reeks of like self-hate um so it's like it's self-hate but it's also um it also kind of reeks of 
white supremacy and that you think that a black solution isn't as good or isn't feasible or doesn't make sense. And so they're out there saying, oh, take your money to Fidelity, take your money to this bank, take your money to these people. And they don't even realize how miseducated that they are. They're so educated that they've been miseducated, which makes them useless to their race. And so I never forget, there's a quote that uh, in that book, Miseducation of the Negro, and I wish I could find it so I can give you a direct quote, but I don't have time. But he, he just said that like, the uneducated person is out there doing all the things that the educated Negro has been taught that he, that he cannot do. And I, I just said like, that says, that sounds so much like the Tulsa real estate fund. Like you have all these people, and these are great people. Like I interact with them all the time. They follow me, I follow them. They've been on my show. I've, re I've reached out to them. But the thing is, if they've just been taught of our limitations, and this is why what you're educated in matters. And this is why we need those people who are uh, advanced in education. I'm in a frat and I have five line brothers and two of them have doctorates in education. So whenever I talk about like the education piece, I'm also, I'm telling them like, start your business, do it. Like do it. The world needs you. And mm -hmm. because we need to recondition the minds of our people to know that they're more than competent, competent to create their own solutions. And so you have these people like tone talks who are like, well, the only way that we can get out of this hole is if they give us reparations, we need reparations. And I'm like, bro, like, that sounds good in theory, but it's also the easy way. Like the, the struggle is repairing yourself. And when you struggle, you progress. And so I just wanted to point out that it's back all the time. I was listening to a Curtis Schoon thing and he is like super successful black man runs his own business, but his thinking is along the lines of me and that he's like, we can do anything we want to do. We can get out there. We can get it. And I'm proof. I'm not just making this shit up. Like I literally live what I what I practice. I told somebody I was like, I'm good. I'm just trying to get you to where I am or my family is. Like we're good over here. These principles that I've talked about, they work and they have worked. And the people that they don't work for are like people who are not working then. And so it was just interesting because these are their leaders. These are the people that you, you put on a pedestal and they're teaching you that you're worthless. They're teaching you that, that you can't solve your own problems. They're teaching you that you're not enough. They're teaching you that you need somebody else to do something for you. And they're basically just teaching you to be lame and do nothing. They say like people who are lame love to blame and they love to blame. But the biggest reason why I put it out there is because Tulsa Real Estate Fund is winning on massive levels, massive levels. And so it's like a, a big kind of aha in their face. It's like, not only were you wrong, you were out there actively trying to prevent this from happening. So what else is possible for us? The sky is the limit. If we just stop acting as though it isn't, we can do anything. We are. I was just at that place, Crab Queens today, probably one of the best restaurant experiences I've ever had in a restaurant. You walk in, the manager like walks up to me, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, asks me where I want to sit. And I'm, I sit down, the, the bartender, because I, when, I, when I'm at lunch, I go to eat at the bar. The bartender's like, hey man, uh, welcome, first time here, all that stuff. And I was asking him about the drinks. He ran through the whole drink menu. He gives me recommendations. We're just having a casual conversation. Like, it felt like a big family in there. The music was great. It was like loud music. Just, we were just chilling, having a good time. And it was Black-owned. And I was like, we can do everything that they can do better if we just know that we can do it. But we're so against us actually doing it that we don't even get to realize that we can do it better than them. 
We're just like, nah, I don't even try. It's not even worth it. Don't even try. Like, that's one of the things that I've realized. Like, in my business, I can cater it to the community. It's not a Series 7, Series 66. You have to fit into this mutual fund, this dollar cost averaging type of business. We can go invest in Detroit. And when you do it, you start realizing we're ahead of the game. I was listening to a podcast this morning, and he was talking about how when you invest in areas where there is no leverage, you get in and you, you kind of create an opportunity because where there's leverage, the prices kind of get out of whack. And Detroit is an area where they don't lend. I didn't know that we did that. I just knew it made sense. So if you go out there and you start doing something that makes sense instead of doing what, something, what somebody's selling to you because they already have their profit built in, you get the real win. So I just say it's just interesting because they're supposed to be your leaders, but they don't really have much faith in you. And the same thing I could say about Candace Owens. Like Candace Owens, I used to think she was dope, but she didn't have any faith in you. If she did, she would have married a black man. She wouldn't have married a white dude. How are you out here talking about what black people can do, but you don't marry a black person? I just, I fundamentally disagree with that. I married a black woman on purpose. I, I just, I just didn't want to, I didn't want, I didn't want to disrespect myself. It's like the deepest relationship that you have is with your wife or with your significant other. So what does that say about your value of yourself? If you aren't willing to date somebody who's a reflection of yourself, what does that say? So that's kind of, it's just interesting and it's, it's sad. I just want people to realize that their leaders might not actually be leading them to the promised land. They might be leading them to another burning house. Yeah. It's sad. Go lead ourselves out here. Right. Do what makes sense. So hopefully that made sense. Man, last episode, I, I feel like there are some things that should have been made into memes and I was looking for them. But I don't know about this one. It's so funny when I listen to it, I, I get a different revelation. I got to drop another. Uh, we have the Detroit Four is what I call them, you know, like the Central Park Five. We got the Detroit Four uh-huh. on the podcast I'm about to drop tonight. Um, so yeah, um, check us out. Make sure you support the store, gumroad.com backslash talk capital. You can find everything on the store from the long distance real estate course from my first book, Investing 101, from uh, LLC formation, consulting services, everything is on that store. I kind of got chin checked by Kendra because I created back when I was with Black Apocalypse. I'm not with Black Apocalypse anymore, as people know. You can kind of tell because it doesn't really have my vibe to it or the focus. My goal was really to focus on strictly real estate and to educate people on real estate and to highlight people who are doing great things in real estate. And now it's just like a get money place. Like I'm not about getting money. I'm about the mission. I'm about the culture as a whole, not just get a buck so I can buy some J's. Like that's the crazy part about it. Anyway. Um, and that's even with the Thai Capital Investment Club, like I'm not charged to so I can get rich. I'm not over here like it's $25 a month. I'm like $5. Just pay me so I can justify responding to your email and taking time from my work office. (laughs) That's the thing because I know the money's going to come, man. If you chase the mission, the money comes. Jeff Jeff Bezos is a billionaire because he chased a mission. Steve Jobs chased a mission. People who create massive companies chase missions. They don't chase the buck. But um, yeah, so check us out in the store. Also check out the Ty Capital Millionaire podcast. Check out um, the Todd Capital Millionaire podcast sponsors. They're not podcast sponsors of the Tweet Talk show, but they are sponsors of the overall brand of Todd. Uh, so I try to promote them when I can. Exposure as possible um, through the things that I'm associated with. Because again, I try to provide value to the people who, uh, who, who affiliate with me. That goes for Raphael as well. Um, but yeah, 
at Todd Millionaire on Instagram, at Todd Millionaire on Twitter. We're doing great things. Shout out to Raphael for taking action on episode number five, man, doing great stuff. You, I'm telling you, you're going to see a lot of value come from this. The more that you do it, the more that you continue to put out content, the more that you just continue to create a brand around these just ideas. So kudos to you, man. All right, thanks, Charles, man. I mean, the inspiration. You could just check out the uh, new Instagram, Black Wealth Tweet Talk. Um, check out everything Todd Capital, capitaltodd.com, that's T-O-D-D.com. Uh, come to Todd Capital, invest with us, join the club. Wealth and business are team sports. Let's get it. Amen. It's, it's a team sport, man. Together we achieve more. Together we achieve more money, more property, more everything. We out. Peace.